This is Seeds for Success, a show where we have a good yarn about ag life with producers who are having a go. On the show, you'll hear from farmers in New South Wales who are out there battling the elements, making tough calls and getting the job done. You'll get a laugh out of some of their stories and also pick up some know-how along the way. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan. Today, we're chatting with David Taylor. David and his wife, Sue Ellen, run merino sheep and grow dual-purpose oats across 1,600 hectares on their property, Myola, just out of Trundle. David describes the environment they live and work on as highly variable. And in this episode, you'll hear him explain how this variability has shaped the natural environment, creating a unique native grassland system and influencing the production decisions he makes at Myola. David talks passionately about his personal journey to better understand the ecosystem in which he farms. He explains how long-term observations, undertaking his master's and PhD studies, and his ongoing local research has helped him form a new appreciation and respect for the diversity and resilience of the grasslands on the Central West Plains. Local Land Services Mixed Farming Officer Callan Thompson settled in for this yarn with David, overlooking those pastured plains at Myola. Myola's about uh, 4,000 acres and basically run as a merino operation for lamb production. This is a, an aggregation of about four blocks. Our uh, family's been here since, you know, the early part of the last century. This area was split up for closer settlement around about the 1880s. So the, before that, it was a, a, a large squatting run based on called Burrowong. So it's, that's sort of a, a little bit, a little bit different. We don't crop because I'm about approaching my use by date sort of thing, and uh, and I I really don't need to annoy myself with to doing too much cropping. So we do about 200 acres of oats. In the past, it's been run as a, a you know, mixed farm where, you know, we, we put up to have, in the past, cropped up to around about 2,000 acres, but it's sort of, um, while you enjoy cropping, I don't enjoy machinery, put it that way. Yeah. I don't mind growing things, but I'm not into big, shiny things, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You don't worry about walking around with a John Deere hat and... Yeah, I've got a I've got a John Deere hat. My, um, my yeah, yeah. No, you've got to you, you know when at, at the at the right time of the year you've got to, You've got to look the part. <laughs> so basically, we use a a, a disc drill, disc seeder, John Deere disc seeder, and they're a pretty good bit of gear for you know for managing grasslands. A lot of a lot of the stuff around Trundle or the Central West Plains is while it's classified as a grassy box woodland. I think with European settlement, we we've taken it back to a grassland. Land, more of a more of an open grassland than a, a grassy box woodland sort of thing. So, uh, based on based on native grass pastures, which are on the central west plains, we've got we've got a, a lot of different species that are are nearly as productive or more productive than a lot of introduced species sort of thing. You know, the the, the native grasses being the the basis of the uh, of our pasture year, but supplemented with introduced things like subclovers, medics and that, that sort of stuff. And they, they, they are a lot more productive than pure native grasses, not, not quite as productive as 
say loosen or some of the some of the introduced C4s, but they they are superbly suited to this environment. This environment. And I think to put the, the Central West Plains in context, it, it's you're probably looking at the most variable rainfall anywhere in the world. For a 20-inch rainfall, for example, which we are here, it varies between 40 inches, 10 inches and 40 inches sort of thing. Uh, in 90% of the years are in, in about that range. I, I think if you're looking at an equivalent amount of rainfall in North America, for example, or 20-inch rainfall, it might vary from... 16 inches to 24 inches or something like that. Our rainfall is highly variable and and it, being a non-seasonal rainfall, it, it can happen at any time in any amount. In. So very hard for running a business where you're trying to make decisions off yeah. grass growth and stocking yeah. rates and things like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it makes it nearly impossible. Having said that, the soils on the Central West Plains, you know, basically being majority red-brown earth, interact with rainfall variability to produce some really quite extraordinary effects. In other words, the, while the rainfall is variable, the production is not necessarily that variable yeah. sort of thing. So it's nowhere near as variable as the, as the rainfall. This is where, you know, millions of years of evolution with, these, with the native grasses sort of interact with soil types and rainfall patterns sort of thing to produce a, a fairly stable production regime sort of thing. A lot of the native fauna here, that it's dominated by bird life, but if you take, for example, kangaroos, there's no, there's no really adaptation in kangaroos, for, for example, to rainfall variability. They may sort of have a fairly constant food source. They're fairly territorial. They don't move around as much as people think they do type of thing. And on the central west plains, you know, the, the grey eastern greys can grow to the proportions of the western red kangaroos sort of thing. That, you know, you see these scrawny little eastern greys on the coast or in the tablelands. You know, here they grow to, here they grow to quite extraordinary proportions. It's no coincidence that central west plains is, has probably the highest sheep population anywhere in Australia or, or uh, of the AB statistics areas. You've got this extraordinary adaption of, of, of sheep to this environment and, you know, they, these are probably the best merino grasslands in any, anywhere in the world. That, that's, you know, with a little bit of nurturing sort of thing. But yep. One of the constant themes of my life has been looking at income variability sort of thing. Uh, and income variability is usually driven by rainfall variability in this, in this area so that you... It's taken most of a lifetime to wake up to the answer to that variability was always under your nose and it was in the in the form of the native grasslands sort of thing. In other words, they in other words, they're extraordinarily adapted to, to variability. Yeah. Cuts out a lot of it. David, how did you end up back on the farm? Or did you ever leave the farm or I, I never thought of doing anything else. Yeah, the uh, yeah, no, the, the, the Central West was having a, 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 some good seasons in around, the, in around the late 60s sort of thing, and so the, my mother decided with her wisdom that we'd send the, send the little nipper to boarding school, which was sort of okay at the time, but I never really thought of a, it. It's been a long-term career away from the joint. Yep. I guess, I guess you've got to sort of understand social structures in the, you know, the, uh, of the time that... While they still exist at the moment, you know, the grandparents and the parents and that sort of stuff live in the same farms and the grandparents look after the kids and that sort of... In other words, close-knit family groups, while that still exists, it's not nearly as prevalent as it was, I don't think. Once you finished boarding school, did you come back directly? 
I went to Yanko, which Yanko at that stage was an agriculture, state-run agricultural college, a bit like Tocal and that, yeah. whatever. That's how they produced their farmers. Yeah. <laughs> which the, that was the impetus to, you know, to understand. So I, I did a business degrees, majoring in finance okay. and, uh, you know, looking at risk and risk management, which is still a constant theme with me. And, I, I, and then you get a taste for it becomes a, a lifestyle sort of thing. You, you're not happy unless, you, <laughs> unless you've got a, a, a textbook, you know, to fill in your time. Sort of so thing. the study wasn't so Thanks. much to build an off-farm business or, or career. It was really to understand your business better and manage your risk well, better internally. Yes, primarily. And, and the, I, I guess the other thing is that I never really had the time to be off farm uh, full time. I, I did a lot of wall classing when I was younger sort of thing for neighbouring neighbouring areas sort of thing. So grasslands or, or pastures, improved pastures and sheep have always been a constant theme in there as well sort of thing. My dad was a, a heavily into wheat growing and that sort of stuff and loved every minute of it. I think they weren't happy unless they, you know, unless they were on, on a... Sitting on a tractor. A diesel fumes and wheat dust sort of thing. <laughs> it's a, there's no more powerful mind-altering drug than <laughs> Fortunately, we live next door to a TSR reserve sort of thing. When your feed supply had run out, there was always something more to be had, had out in the stock route, that the, you know, the, the native species were, had some sort of a ability to hang in there a lot longer type of thing. I did get interested in, in how, the, how the landscape works, how, the, how these species interact. Each of those grasses has a particular niche or, or area that they occupy, the, you know, the, a, a combination of nutrients and, and moisture. As we were saying before, that, that you know, that this income, this rainfall variability that we can have any amount, high-intensity rainfall and any... When you bear them down, they'll, they'll form a surface seal that, that's almost as impermeable as concrete type of thing. Where it rains is not necessarily where the moisture ends up sort of thing. The moisture can end up on, a, on, on different scales uh, off the... Uh, you know, the landforms on the Central West Plains are fairly moderate, moderate hills inter, interspersed with large areas of plains. So you've got these run-off, run-on areas on the regional scale. On a small scale, it works from almost every scale so that the rainfall that falls here doesn't necessarily end up there. It might end up a metre away. It's that particular structure that lends the grasslands of the Central West Plains their resilience and stability type of thing, production stability. I don't know whether you've heard of Pareto's principle or the 80-20 rule. You know, it's definitely true of the Central West Plains. 80% of the production comes from about 20% of the landscape that's been forgotten about in, in a research sense because it becomes in the, in the too hard basket. Because of these soil types, because of the rainfall variability, it's very, very difficult so the results that you've got this year are only true of that year. They're not true of the next 50, 50 or 60 years, yeah, how, that, yeah. how that might pan out. And the real measure of that, if you, if you go back to species composition again, is that how, how rapidly they can change over from a, from a, a, a corkscrew year to a, a windmill grass year to a, a, a danthonia year. So the concept, it's constantly changing over. So you're constantly getting... Uh, death events and recruitment events within five-year periods type of thing. So the, 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 the grassland that you see here today may not have the same species composition as the grassland you saw here five years ago. On the, it's a very, very difficult 
environment to research. That wanting to understand that system more led you to do your PhD. So from your studies, what changes have you made to your management on the farm? It was under, under my nose all the time that, you know, that the, these native grasses combined with some modern practices, for example, subclover is, is not a you know, it's not a native to it's not a native to the area, but it has a huge amount to offer in the boosting the nitrogen supply. Subclover, as you know, sort of sets a burr, a burr sort of slightly on the ground or in the ground type of thing, which prevents surface sealing and and that sort of stuff. So when that when this country bears down, and ultimately will bear down, uh, you know, you've you've got a, a species there that'll stop it from sealing over uh, and stop the stop the moisture from ending up down in the Lachlan. So, yeah, there's a, there's a ryegrass, for example, has a, has a hell of a lot to offer in, in, um, in rebuilding, uh, you know, uh, soils that have become a little bit too uh, run down from a little bit too much matter. overstocking or wheat production, if you, if you know what I mean. So yeah. there, there's, a, there's a whole raft of species and, and techniques out there that make the derived grasslands on the central west plains highly desirable you know so that it's sort of we can have five inches of rain now and drive on it the next day sort of thing whereas if it were if it were a wheat production paddock that you might be a week waiting for it to dry out sort of thing yeah the corollary of that is that water becomes a water becomes a real problem but the the central west plains will come to the rescue sort of thing in other words uh you know it will turn on a drought it will bear down and you will get a high intensity rainfall <laughs> event it will dance. fill everything up and knock down fences even yeah. even from i guess that's that. one of the big questions i get as an agronomist is um people have got cropping country that they're trying to get back to native pasture country and they'll want to go out and sow native grasses the same way that we'd sow a crop or an improved pasture and it's something that we really struggle to to give good advice on because firstly the seed's very expensive and hard to get and it can also be quite variable in terms of its germination percentages so it's it's really hard to treat it like a like we would with say a, a c4 tropical grass that we were sowing introduced species like mm. digit or or a bambatsi panic mm. or something like that so you can work on the premise of seed orchard areas you know the sides of the roads you know when they the these species will come in from the sides of the road from the sides of the roads and fill in sort of thing the trick with it is to not if you go into a cropping phase the the longer you go take the take it into the cropping phase sort of thing the the, the more likely you are to be exhausting the the native seed reserve sort of thing a couple of years crop isn't going to hurt it but if you want to go into a 10 or 15 year phase sort of thing you probably need to leave seed orchard strips and that sort yeah. of stuff so in, the, I think in the landscape. A lot of these producers are probably coming from country that's been cropped for at least 10 years non-stop and wanting to get it back to a native. So when it does come back, it comes back as a very annualised pasture yep. that's a lot of those and a lot of weed species that probably are those primary species. Primary, primary species, in. yeah. That, that's, a, you know, the, the, the characteristic recovery is that you know probably take five years to take it from an annualized before you start seeing some sort of perennial perenniality starting to creep in then when you get the perennial perenniality creeping in there's a there's a 
a few years of actual production loss. Uh, that the, these things, you, you know, you, your soils aren't in order. They're, they're still compacted. They're still prone to sealing, sort of sort of thing. From about year five to year seven or eight, nine, you're actually taking a, a, a fairly stiff production loss there as the perenniality starts to sneak in. So you, and it won't happen over the entire paddock. You'll see patches of it. You'll see patches of, uh, say, ostracistiper sneaking in there type of thing or a patch of windmill grass. There might only be a metre square. But over time, over the next 20 or 30 years sort of thing, those, those then act as a, 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 moisture, a moisture catch. You know, the moisture moving down the slope finds those patches and that's where most of the moisture stays on, a, on, a, on its way out. So they become bigger and bigger. Those patches become larger and larger until eventually they cover the whole, the whole paddock. We probably had about 20% of the paddocks that were sink area. In the last 14 months, we've had about 40 inches of rain sort of thing. We've had a lot of rain on the central west plains in the last 12 or 15 months sort of thing. And, and, and here, where, the, where, the, where a lot of these grasslands have been, uh, you know, have been in a stable situation for 20 or 30 years type of thing, they, they adjusted very, very quickly to around about, at this stage, as we speak at the moment, you're looking at around about 80% of the, the grasslands outside the windows sort of thing that, that are operating as a sink area. In other words, not much runs off them type of thing. So they, they're, they're self-adjusting. They, they adapt to the rainfall. So it becomes a, a self-reinforcing upward cycle. So they just become better and better. So if you can chuck in a few subclovers and a, a few other species to give, throw a bit more nitrogen, nitrogen into the, the system, and yep. you've got a, you've got, then got a, a, a grassland, a grassland that's amazingly productive. It's not just a little bit productive, but it still doesn't overcome the basic issue on the central west plains of rainfall variability that so that while you while you've corrected it a hell of a long way the you know the, the the big temptation is then to say well look at all this feed sort of stuff that i've created here and run around and overstock it again yeah, you know throw too many sheep at it remembering that you're really share farming it with these microbes that that the grazing offtake is sort of minor compared with the microbial offtake Take a little bit too much of it off, you'll, you know, you'll put throw it into reverse fairly quickly, sort of thing. So, how do you manage your grazing with all these different patches, which, as you say, are, are changing and different every year? When you're looking at a a recovery phase from drought, overcropping, or whatever. I, I, I think you've nearly got to use time control time grazing. control grazing methods sort of thing so yeah. that you're not so that you're not grazing out the uh, you know the expression the ice cream species or the more the more palatable species sort yeah. of thing last summer, the rainfall of last summer type of thing no amount of stock could ever control you can stock it how you like just open the gates and let them run they they'll they won't hurt it type of thing you know if i had a hundred acre paddock out there with a thousand sheep on it sort of thing they'll be still up at the dam they won't come down to the house sort of thing so that but in a in a drought you put it you'd have the same number of sheep in there sort of in a dry year and they'd be they'd cover the whole paddock fairly quickly so they so those those areas of the paddock that they're not grazing in when there's a luxury of feed is sort of a fodder reserve if you like type yeah. of thing they'll 
on. They'll eventually come down here with, you know, to do battle with the sheepdogs that are locked up next door sort of <laughs> thing and sneak, a, sneak an extra blade of grass in them. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Central West Local Land Services. Local Land Services delivers advice and support to farmers, landholders and the community across New South Wales. To learn more, you can find us online by searching for Central West Local Land Services. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links to relevant articles, fact sheets, events and other helpful resources, we've added those into the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. Hey, and while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other farmers find the show. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan, and I'll chat to you next time.